This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. New message. Hey, man, it's Devin. You know, from that time you accidentally emailed me because you thought I was a different Devin. <laughs> oh, and your email signature said confidential. If you receive this in error, please delete. <laughs> That's so you. Anyway, I heard you bought a boat. When are we set in sail, Captain? <laughs> when you get a boat, you also get new friends. Make sure Progressive's one of them and get coverage today for as little as $100 a year. Oh, and uh, no, you did not receive this message in error. <laughs> Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates Annual Premium for Basic Liability Policy not available in all states. Hello everyone, welcome back to another edition of That Mill Podcast. Today you're joining with myself, Omar and Mickey. Hello mate. Hello mate, you alright? Not too bad. And we're also joined with a guest, we've got Carl Bates on from I Follow Fame. How you doing mate, you alright? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Not too bad, thank you. So today we're just going to run through, obviously, the last couple of games since we was last with you guys. Uh, obviously we had Stoke on Saturday and then a nice win on Tuesday night at home to Cheltenham Town, 3-1 victory. Uh, Mickey, how have you f- found the last couple of games? You enjoyed them? Been been alright to watch? Or? I, saw, I saw Stoke. Unfortunately, I didn't see last night's game. I saw bits of it, but it was my boy's birthday, so um, obviously it would have been completely um, in the doghouse if I'd have sat there and watched all of that. But the uh, <laughs> I watched bits and pieces, seen the goals. The goals look um, nice, clean strikes. Leonard's goal looked like a fucking rocket. Um, but Stoke, I mean, Stoke's going to go down. I think in in one of those games. If Stoke is is automatic, you know automatic position you know for for going up then it's going to be a, a fantastic draw but if they're cock a shit bottom of the league then it's going to go down as a you know realistically we should have won that so um i think the rest of the season will show out for that one but no look at the end of the day first game of the season a draw is better than a loss so um hey ho we move on to the next game 
think he had that um, opening game to the season sort of feel to it. It was kind of two teams trying to, you know, test each other, see who who wants to take the initiative. And I think with us missing Romeo, I think it kind of showed yesterday when he's back in the side. I think we looked a bit better on the right hand side um, with Lennon not being there. And um, I think without having a focal point up front, I think obviously Bud Varton played, which was kind of an interesting decision. What did you think of that, uh, Mickey, on Saturday? I, I don't think he did a lot. Um, you know, I think that we missed, we definitely missed Romeo. I think that the two formations outplayed each other. They just zeroed out each other. And the problem we had from that is that, you know, it just led to a, a nil-nil. I don't think either keeper was really um, tested. Um, but again, it does show that we are missing, you know, Smith or, or Parrot or someone who can stick balls in the goal. Oh, what did you make of the game Saturday? Um, I think pretty much following on from what Mickey said, they cancelled each other out. Um, Stoke, obviously, a big physical side with the likes of folks up top. You've got Obi Mikel played well in the centre. I think if Woods had been there, because of where Mikel sits, they may well have pushed Woods on or somebody to sort of man-mark him because at some point, John Obi Mikel was just running the midfield. Defensively, as usual, Millwall looked solid. It didn't matter what Stoke threw at the mill, just about held them at arm's length. There was a couple of nervy moments. I remember Cooper at full stretch managing to knock the ball away. But overall, a point's a fair result. And I think the most important thing from a mill perspective is to win Saturday against Rotherham because if you then switch the results around and said you win your home game and draw your away game, actually, four points is a pretty good return. So get three points Saturday and you know the world's looking a better place. Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, we're still missing Troy Parrott up front. I mean, I haven't seen much of him so far, but judging by pre-season, I think he seems to be grabbing the right headlines, scoring a couple of goals for us. Do you think he'll add something to us, Carl, when he comes back? Definitely. I think it's the type of goals that he's scored that we've seen uh, in pre-season. It's those runs in behind the defence. He's looking for balls into the channels, the sort of balls that Mason Bennett, Jed Wallace, Conor Mahoney, etc. can feed into them. And then he can run off it. And I can imagine also that he could work well off Matt Smith, like we saw in glimpses with Mahoney and Bradshaw um, last night. He's definitely one of those strikers, plays on the last shoulder. It gives Millwall that extra angle to say, obviously, the opposite of Matt Smith. So it's a good string to the bow for Millwall's strike force. And yeah, I think he'll fit in well. I hope so too. I think uh, you mentioned yesterday and Mahoney. I think he was great to watch yesterday. Obviously, he played a different kind of role, kind of drifting inwards and, you know, a bit varied. And after the game, I saw Rowett on, I think it was Barrett actually, who said it afterwards, like, you know, we're getting involved in higher positions in the pitch. And I think it kind of, it was a telling uh, telling impact. I mean, Ricky, I know you didn't watch the full game, but even him popping up with the goal in the second half, it's going to do wonders for his confidence, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, I mean, we we said on previous shows, it's definitely a make or break season for um, Mahoney and if he plays like he did last night then this season is going to be interesting you know what we need is is help to if we can get you know with Parrot and the like if we can get someone who can score 15, 20 goals a season for us it will give us that bit we're missing now so if he can come up in, in, in playing in slightly different positions but actually doing some damage then it's only going to look rosy for us going forward um, so yeah I, I'm, I'm quite excited going forward but I agree with Cole We've got to win against Rotherham on uh, on Saturday, or else you know that draw at home is a pointless draw. Yeah, I mean, I think the options up front is something of a talking point. I think it's great to have Bennett in there, Bodvardson, Smith, Parrott, Bradshaw, Wallace. You know, the list is actually quite an endless list, which is a good thing for us. I thought Wallace on Saturday was a bit flattering to deceive. I think I know he needs to kind of maybe get a goal or two to kind of get his confidence going, but I just feel like he's I don't know. I felt Saturday. 
he was he was taking the incentive. You know, how I said last episode, Mickey, about how he kind of takes the pressure on himself a bit. I just think he's kind of playing with a bit of weight on his shoulders. He's clearly our best player, but I don't know. I just feel like he's giving too much and just kind of maybe feeling the pressure too much. I don't know if either of you two feel the same or, I mean, am I talking bark at the wrong tree, Kyle? Or do you kind of see what I mean about Saturday? Well, I, th- I think for Jed, obviously, as you, you know, he sets himself high standards. And I think over the last two, three seasons, he has been the, as you say, pivotal player for Millwall when they're going forwards, chipped in with important goals. But now, as you rightly say, we have Mason Bennett, your Parrots, your Smiths, Mahoney's, etc., that can take that pressure off him. And, I mean, still last season, I think people forget people are quick to get on his back. This is a guy that got 10 goals and 13 assists. He still, uh, you know, is clearly Millwall's best player on his day. And the good thing is now, if Jed has an off day, we have plenty of other people that can fill in and, you know, be the match winner. When as before we've seen it, if Jed's had an off day, Millwall have had an off day and probably lost. So it's nice to have like a Mason Bennett that can change the game on the other flank, for example. Makes it harder for the opposition as well, because normally, right, Jed's the danger man, double up on him. We've stopped Millwall pretty much as an attacking force. But now that's a whole different kettle of fish when trying to stop Millwall going forward. I think it's great too. Like, I think I agree with you as in like Jed was kind of our key linchpin and he, the pressure was clearly a couple of years ago when we were struggling. I, f- I kind of saw it as well where I felt like he was just taking on too much uh, pressure on his shoulders. But it's good that we've kind of got our options like, like we've said there. Um, but I think the style of play change is also helping us, Mickey. Do you know, like we're keeping possession. Yesterday was the same. I know it's against another League Two team, but we're keeping the ball, we're passing it around and we seem to be kind of prodding away at teams instead of just playing a bit more direct, would you reckon? But you're right, I think it's something what me and Cole spoke about when we spoke last time, Cole, that the defensive side of it now is is pretty much there or thereabouts. We just need players to be able to score goals and take it to that, that, next, that next move. But I think, you know, yesterday and what I did see in the game, it looked very exhibition. Um, you know, Mill pretty much was in control the whole game. They... You know, it was their game to lose if they if they you know ducked their heads or, or didn't take it seriously. Then, yeah, and I, I I just think that this season Millwall look playing under Rowlett like a completely different team. They they look as if they've got a purpose, they've got a cause, um, and they know you know at the end of the day they 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 stop the ball going back um, and keep it in the middle. Then just when they get a chance, stick it forward a bit and and hopefully people run off it and and score the goals. Um, so yeah, I think. I think it's completely different to where we were with Harris. Um, there didn't ever seem to be a plan B or plan C, but with Rowlett, he can switch a formation mid-play. Um, he can swap players around, bring bring new players on, and he can completely change it, um, which for a Millwall fan is what we've been dying for for years and we've never really had it. Yeah, I mean, it, it was nice to make seven changes yesterday and still look at the side that we could field on Saturday, for example. Like, it, it was a strong side, so it was nice to see Romeo back. Obviously, he, hopefully he gets a full game on, on Saturday. But, I mean, talking of the game yesterday, credit to Cheltenham. I think, you know, they, they did try and give us a good test. I know, Carl, you picked up on Alfie May a couple of times for um, Cheltenham yesterday. He seemed to have a lively mm. game, but unfortunately didn't get the end product for, for the side. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, it was a good test for us. But Saturday will be a crunch game, right? Yeah, it will. I mean, yeah, just briefly touching upon Alfie May. I think he looks too good for League Two. He was causing no end of problems pretty much by himself. Ruben Reed never really got into the game. And, you know, he took his goal well. Unfortunately for him, he was just offside. But, um, yeah, I think there'll be a few clubs looking at Alfie in the next month or so. 
Um, yeah, looking for Saturday, I think another good thing with uh, Gary is he isn't afraid to experiment. Not just, He's not, um, for example, with the front three, they changed around a couple of times during the game. Sometimes it'd be two up front and then Mahoney just dropping in behind or they'd play as a three or they'd swap sides of the three, keep Smith in the middle, but then swap Bradshaw and Mahoney around. Sometimes Bradshaw would come short. So they're making... He's making Millwall far harder to read. And as the opposition manager, like it used to be, you'd look at the team sheet and think, right, he's going to play here, 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 here. Right, we know how they're going to line up with Millwall. Even ourselves, when we were watching Millwall uh, warm up, it looked like they were going to play with a back four. But actually, he was just getting Shane Ferguson some shooting practice, which sadly for Fergie was ironic because he had a great chance to score the third and completely hacked Mm. it. But thankfully, it went to Smith. Um, so yeah, it was actually going to be the back five which he usually plays with. So yeah, it's it's really good to see from a Millwall point of view that they can just change things up, not just at the start of the game, but two or three times in it. If he's not happy with how the game's going, agreed. I mean, Mickey, got anything to add on that? Or I think I, I, I think what Cole says is spot on. I mean, you know, Cole's luckily enough he's sitting there watching it, um, and he sees obviously the setup and he gets to speak to to Gary and the players after and before. So you know, I think I think. Um, his eyes, he is pretty much our eyes and ears as such this season, especially um, being one of the lucky ones who, who's able to, to watch it live. I mean, I'd love to be going out to Rotherham on Saturday, personally. I know it's not the best of hunting grounds for us and of all places it's Rotherham, but missing the football like mad. You look forward to going out there Saturday, Carl? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's great. Obviously, I'm one of the very lucky ones that does get to watch Millwall play live. Um, it's very strange without people around. I mean, I briefly paused on purpose for the start of the championship season just before kickoff against Stoke and you could just hear a pin drop. And that's just, yeah, it's a, it's a horrible feeling. It's great to be there. It's great to have that adrenaline as the game's about to start. But without the fans, it, it just lacks something. I mean, my local side played in the FA Cup in front of 200 fans, but Millwall with a 20,000 capacity can't have anybody in just doesn't quite ring true to me hopefully common sense will prevail sooner rather than later but it's so frustrating and it must be for you guys as well tuning in instead of actually being at the ground I mean one thing what I pick up on Cole is that your your point on Saturday was um when the ball went to go out and it was like you you were like well that decision would have gone Millwall if we had the fans in if we had the fans there that decision would have gone our way rather than obviously going to the opposition I think that's where it's within certain games that's where decisions are going to get lost where you know especially at Millwall when you've got a full crowd because linesmen do get worried and they're you know they might think oh is it is it is it not is it I'm going to go with Millwall because otherwise I'm going to get absolutely dog shit abuse for the next 45 minutes and Mm -hmm. and sometimes you'll get the decisions your way but I think you know Saturday we did have a, a ref what really didn't like us for most of the game um and would they have changed um you know, I mean, one comment with with refs at again is when we did um, when we interviewed Gary Alexander and um, and Paul Robinson and Alan Dunn. One thing they said there is that they find that some of the refs will come to the den um, are, are coming is if they got a point to prove. You know, I'm not going to be intimidated, um, and I just wonder if that still stands now with no crowds there or whether or not you, you just it's a bad ref. It's a bad ref. Um, I think it depends both ways. I mean, obviously, to be fair, with any home crowd, you're always going to get more decisions than the away fans. I mean, the perfect example of a decision not going your way when there's the crowd there would have been Middlesbrough at home for the first goal when Cooper goes down. 
if Jake tripped over his own feet or if there was contact, etc., etc., that would have been given with a full crowd because the linesman would have got dogs abuse straight away. And probably when if he was 50-50, not really sure, the free kick would have been given. Borough wouldn't have got that goal. So, but I'm sure there's other games that people will look at where Millwall have been away from home. And the home side's got those decisions. They do, I think, to an extent, even themselves out. But if you have got the crowd in, then obviously at home, those little decisions go your way, which can be the difference between three points and a draw. No, definitely. I think um, referees have always been a talking point. I mean, I think I do think we get more from our, as our, our club personally, but it's just one of those things, I think. Um, Rotherham themselves, anyway, if anyone's interested. So, I mean, they, they won on Saturday. They beat Wickham. I think they've got a favourable start to the season. If they're looking at it themselves, they're thinking... Cool. We've got a team that we got promoted with. We've got uh, Mill at home after that. You know, there's a chance to pick up a couple of wins here. Obviously, I think a lot of people are expecting Robin to be at the bottom of the table for the majority of the season. They haven't got a, a squad of superstars as such, or they've not really backed the manager with a lot of money. Obviously, in times like this, they can't really sign too many players. But you've got a few players in there that are recognisable. You've got the likes of uh, Harding, who I recognise, Jamal Blackman in goal from uh, on loan from Chelsea. It's going to be a tough test, isn't it, on on the weekend? Yeah, I think so. I mean, as as we all know, Millwall's record at the New York Stadium or against Rotherham generally isn't the best away from home. I mean, yes, they won. It was it was Wickham, um, which I'm sure didn't favour either team. As your opener in the championship, you would have wanted to play anybody apart from each other. And it's their, it's their first home game. Again, though, without the crowd, is a home game that bigger advantage? Millwall away from home are a lot better, a lot more solid. And I'd like to I'd like to think Millwall will, at a bare minimum, get a draw there. But the way Millwall do play and have played in possession football at the back, taking their time, the likes of Woods getting his foot on the ball, just looking up, just keeping the play going. Leonard looks a different player in that attacking midfield role. He can hit the ball really sweetly, as we saw last night and last season against Hull. So there, there is attacking options. I expect Millwall to score goals. They're not going to grounds and hoping to pinch a 1-0. They're going there and actually looking like they're going to create chances. So now I must admit, dare I say it, but I fancy Millwall to pick up all three on Saturday. Me too. I mean, Mickey, uh, Carl mentioned Leonard there. Are we expecting him to play in the middle, do you reckon, with Woods? I mean, when we done our best 11 for the season and what we're hoping for, Mickey, was thinking Leonard's going to probably be maybe an option, a utility man. Obviously, he's played on the right on Saturday, but... I think even myself, I can't begrudge him a start on Saturday alongside Woods in the middle. I think he's, I think he's probably deserved that that start. But you know, I mean, the shot on Saturday was fucking sounded sweet, didn't it? <laughs> he, had, he had that peachy, didn't he? You know, it, it, it was it was a cracking shot. I mean, and he deserves. I mean, it seems it's something what um, uh, Barris picked up on was uh, he said it's good to have players fighting for the position now. They're fighting to be in the team. He said so it's making it harder for us to pick the right team. He said, but you know, at least anyone we do pick is is going to go out and give the full the full benefit. So yeah, I think it's an interesting dynamic. Obviously. He feel he done a job on Saturday. Romeo's come back in last night. I think with Romeo and Malone on both sides, I think we just got an options there where they're going to be almost at times our furthest forward players in the pitch, and it gives the mm-hmm. license to them to bomb on. You've got the three defenders that will contribute, but I think it's something that Rout said a lot. You just got to take risks if that makes sense. Like, and I think it's something you're starting to see a bit more. It's not necessarily edge on the cautious side and keep safe and then try and nick something it's more let's take the game to the opposition if we get hit on the counter we'll deal with it afterwards but let's try and take the game seize it by the initiative and go out there and try and get three points and like Carl you said you know go out there and score some goals well it's calculated risks as well isn't it like you said Malone and Romeo will bomb on but also Hutchinson and Cooper will do exactly the same but when they bomb on the beauty of having Ryan Woods in your side is he's not going to go anywhere he'll just drop back 10-15 yards almost filling as an emergency centre half 
and allow them to go forward, giving them the license to go forward. If Cooper bombs on, then you'll probably see Malone tuck in a bit more and maybe Mason Bennett or somebody move further out wide. So it's great that Hutchinson Cooper can get forwards and, as you say, Gary Rack giving them that option as a team to move forwards like that. And we saw it last season. You know, Cooper turned up in some, well, practically right down the wing, look at the sort of Kennedy role almost and pinging balls in from down by the corner flag. So, yeah, it's it's, it's great to watch Millwall like that. Not to forget his goal, obviously, against Charlton as well. If you can't forget yeah. that one. <laughs> no, right, right foot rocket. <laughs> um, obviously we've still got um, after winning yesterday we've got the chance of a third round cup tie I think it's Burnley or who's the other side Burnley or Sheffield United isn't it it's a shame we can't yes, be there to see a Premier League Premier League side down at the Den Mickey it's a mm-hmm. shame but obviously it'll be hopefully soon we'll get some fans in the ground but you know Premier League opposition next week be a good game yeah I think it, I mean personally I think Burnley is probably the better one um, I prefer Burnley to United because United done us they done us before didn't they not long ago so I'd rather have Burnley um, and obviously it'd be nice to see Sean Dice back at, at Millwall but look Premiership is uh, Premiership so you know we'll take either one and, and deal with it however we need to deal with it um, I'm still one of those that the Carabao Cup isn't isn't a massive game I think it is one of them I'm surprised last night though that very expecting it to be, you know, a lot of young players playing last night, but he pretty much put out a full team. So um, he's obviously taking this cup um, seriously. Um, maybe he's using it to, to help, you know, focus on the league, get playing time for the players for the league, because obviously with COVID and everything else, they've not had lots of match time. Um, but, you know, uh, it, as long as it doesn't burn the players out, then, yeah, i I'm not fussed. I'd take either one. Burnley would be my ideal choice, but I would take either one. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd Burnley out the two, just because we've played Sheffield United, obviously, in the Cup, a couple of league games not long ago. And as you say, Burnley with Sean Dyche coming back. And also, I think the reason, well, one of the reasons that Gary's took the Cup so seriously is, obviously, from a financial perspective, there's a very good chance if Millwall, well, it will be Millwall now against Burnley or Sheffield United, that, that'll probably be one of the televised games. So again, that's extra money in the bank. And especially when you're not getting crowds in the door, you need every penny you can get your hands on. I mean, on, 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 sorry, Omar, on, on that point, I mean, you know more than obviously us. I mean, I know, I mean, I've, I've had conversations with Steve and whatnot, but I mean, the clubs at the minute are finding it very, very hard having no income. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I know all clubs definitely. I mean, I've spoke to Steve Kavner a couple of times. I've bumped into him outside the ground on the way in, obviously from a socially distant perspective. But um, yeah, and he's you know desperate. He's absolutely fuming. He is trying. He is trying everything possible to get fans in the door. You know, this isn't somebody just giving you a politician's answer where they just sort of you know flannel you off and they don't really want you to know anything. He is just desperate to get fans in and he's trying to get members of parliament to come down to the ground he wants people to see all the effort that he's put in for Millwall to make this a COVID secure area I mean I personally don't understand how they can't if it's going to be season ticket holders you know their names you know their addresses you know their phone numbers you'll know exactly where they're sitting in the ground it's outside it's all on CCTV so if heaven forbid three days later somebody comes down with COVID you know exactly who was sat around them you can contact them straight away and you know they've been told bang job done i really don't understand but if you want to go to a pub or the cinema or into tesco's or wherever you normally do your shopping doesn't really matter how many people are in there if you want to go to work on the trains or buses that's fine or grouse shooting um yeah that's not a problem again a football match 
I like a bit of grouse shooting. It's, uh, <laughs> it's what most Millwall fans do. We, we love a sort of shotgun. I mean, sorry, we love a shotgun. Um, but no, I totally agree. With you. I mean, you know, the schools, you know, school runs, etc. standing in the playground, catching tunes, buses, etc., etc. You can't, you know, you, you're more than happy to do that. You can go in a pub, sit in a pub with strangers, not knowing anyone. And most of these pubs, you know, I haven't been in any pubs this week, but I mean, over the last few weeks, we've been out for a couple of meals and stuff. And it's very lax easy. Oh, can you scan that, please? You know, fill out your details on there, et cetera, et cetera. It's very slack daisy. But, you know, again, when a club has all your details, you're on CCTV, and most CCTV nowadays can track you. So if there is a problem, they can say, well, actually, look, he's been around, bop, 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 bop. We know where they are. Look, they're there. This, 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 and this. I mean, I can understand in a normal season where people aren't necessarily sitting in their seats, but the way it's going to be planned is that people are going to be sitting constantly in their seats, not moving. So yeah. I don't really see what the major issue is. I mean, you could really, as long as you're spaced out, you could really get a good handful of fans. You could probably get five, 6,000 fans in there, but for some unknown reason, and I, and I strongly believe that the reason is football fans are not trusted by the establishment or the police. And because of that, they will more than likely push to the last minute before allowing it in. It will be rugby, it will be snooker, cricket, et cetera, et cetera, where fans will go in first. And if there isn't any issues there, then eventually they'll let fans. I mean, there are rumours um, that EFL doesn't want alcohol sold, but they do want, you know, the clubs want alcohol sold and the EFL do to a degree because it's extra revenue for the clubs. But local authorities yeah. are saying they'd rather not have people drinking the ground, which, you know, when the clubs are up against it as much as they are now, that's just absolute pure fucking ridiculous. Generalisations that are going on that Steve's having to put Millwall's point across, and I'm sure people at Nottingham Forest are putting their point across, I'm sure people at QPR are putting their point across, because it's all going to be down to individual grounds and where they are as well. Where there's problems further north in the sort of Manchester areas or Birmingham yeah. or Le- Leicester it was a while ago, they're obviously going to be maybe not allowed or very limited um attendances at games it's just I think it's yeah it's just going to be on a ground by ground basis I think we're just going to have to suck it up yeah they have said that the the teams up north in in the areas around Manchester and all that won't be able to take part in the AFL test Mm -hmm. um, purely because of that so yeah Omar what's your views you brought me neatly onto the test event they've actually released the 10 games they're going to choose this weekend I don't know if you saw that Um, yeah so they chose um, Luton to host against Derby, Middlesbrough to host against Bournemouth and Norwich to host against Preston in the Championship. And you've got Blackpool who are hosting against Swindon in League One. Charlton's hosting against Doncaster. Um, Hull are hosting against Crewe and Shrewsbury are hosting against Northampton. And then in League Two, you've got Carlisle, Forest Green and Morecambe all hosting games. So it is kind of true what you guys are saying. Not too many Northern games, but there's still a few in there. You've got the likes of Blackpool, and whole, but I guess it's guess wherever it's most dense the it's outbreak the at the moment. Yeah, so it's it depends the northeast, though, isn't it? Not on yeah. the on the eastern side rather than the west side, where there seems Definitely. to be major major problems around Manchester, Oldham, Bolton, all around there. It seems mm. to be massive massive problems. Um, It'd be interesting to see with regards to obviously it's a thousand per game, so to see how mm-hmm. that goes. I think it is baby steps in the right direction. So hopefully we do eventually allow them to have more thousand seater games then it goes to two thousand three thousand i guess i guess that's maybe the approach they'll take no one really knows but i agree with all you guys they've got all the details hopefully it'll be a six thousand capacity then and it'll be socially distanced and we can get back to some games yeah i mean i don't know if anybody's seen it on social media but in germany now they've got um, i can't remember the exact percentage of grounds that are full and the atmosphere looked fantastic. It was just so nice to see a ground with atmosphere, with people in it. It was it was just lovely to see. I mean, there's obviously social media from the past where you're seeing goals going in the 
you know, the noise from the crowd, you miss it. You know, it's, it's like I said, I'm so lucky with the job I do to be able to watch live games, but without the fans, it, it just isn't the same. It's great to be there, but it's still a big loss not having everybody else around you. I suppose even the players, like when they score goals, they're not even celebrating the goals. Like even yes, I know yesterday was a cup game, but even so, mm-hmm. if there was a crowd there, you probably would expect them to celebrate a couple of goals. I mean, I think Smith was the closest one to celebrating yesterday when he done a little fist pump as he normally does, but that's about it really. There's not really, <laughs> there's no animation. There's no raw emotion coming from the crowds or from the players even. No, I mean, I suppose in a way you probably feel a bit more self-conscious. Um, without meaning to and again like you said it's just feeding off the crowd footballers play because they want to score goals in full stadiums you know and get that atmosphere get that adulation for that moment for that split second that they hit the back of the net and obviously that's been taken away from them because of this virus that's going around and you know let's hope it comes back not the virus obviously but let's hope the crowds are back sooner and the atmosphere is built up it makes my job easier because you feed off the adrenaline of the crowd crowd it makes the players jobs easier because they're getting fed off the atmosphere of the crowd and it makes life easier for everybody because as a fan you live for your football your Monday to Friday is talking up to that game on the Saturday and once that game's finished then it's Saturday to Friday talking about whatever just happened and what's going to happen next Saturday so without that it has the knock-on effect 100% I agree um, Mickey got anything else to add on that or no my only thing is, is that I just think that there needs to be you know common sense I think you know if Germany are getting people back and they've had, you know, increases and everything else, but they're getting people back to to the game. I think um, then the UK needs to look at it. I think, you know, on you know personal opinions, nothing to do with them at all. I think that both sides of the of the government, the opposition, I think the press has, and no no um, no disrespect to you there, Colby, and obviously a member no, no, of the press, no. but I think the press mm-hmm. has got absolutely shitloads to do with this um, because they just seem to Agreed. be ramping it up with fear, 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 and Keir Starmer and the Labour, one minute they want Boris to change stuff, as soon as he changes it, they then fucking slag him off for changing it and going, look, we've got a problem in this country that at the moment you can't get tests, but more people are getting tests because of density areas. I mean, I've got a friend in the Chester area who, who said to me, they're rolling in mobile test units in available spaces to get people tested where the towns are coming to standstill because of people getting tested, but you know, where we live down here, I know of people who can't get tests for love of the money. And, it, you know, you've got to be able to get the test. If you can't get the test, then work out some other way to do it. I mean, there's rumours that, you know, the Premier League has this 20-minute test. You know, they're saying that it's not, you know, 100% accurate and whatnot, but they've got this test. Well, you know, realistically, if that test is available, that should be in schools, that should be in hospitals, should be everywhere now so that people can get tests because, you know, you've got everyone at school everywhere. You know, if you can go on a tube train, and a lot of people won't wear masks, yet I can't go to a football game. Look, you know what? I understand singing, shouting, everything else, and, and football fans being football fans. But you know what? Just for once in your life, just try and have a bit of confidence in people and say to them, look, you know, because we sit there and look at the football teams. Unfortunately, the sad news today, you know, um, is uh, uh, Macclesfield has, has been wound up. Possibly I think there might be an appeal there, but they've been wound up for half a million pounds worth of debt. Well, if we think that's going to be the last club, you're wrong. And not just that. If clubs go, for instance, you look at Millwall, and I don't think in any way that Millwall's going to fold in, in any time soon. But if Millwall closed, then you've got the CAFs, the pubs, the, the the takeaways, the taxi firms, the you name it, all the way around the ground, what feeds it on a match day, suddenly loses all that business. So it's not just the club going done. It's a massive part of the community. It's a massive part of the community business. 
It's a massive part of income. And I think that, you know, these things need to look. And and again, that you have to throw things at the EFL. You have to throw things at the, at the Premier League. These people have lots of money and they don't seem to care about fucking using that money to, to help people when they're in the shit. They let Berry go to the wall. They let things... I understand why to a degree they've done it but you know what if, if the organization you're in charge you know you're you're working with doesn't want to help you out then unfortunately you're up against it um financially it, you know football is not there for profit unless you're a big name unless you're a big club who can make money even look at Millwall. i believe Millwall. we're probably 10 years behind commercially than every other club in the league um purely because of how things have run in the past I'm not slagging them off a bit. It's just, you know, fact. Look at our club shop. Look at the way we serve beer, everything else. It's just one big thing. And this has just added to that problem. Um, And I think we just need to be sensible, realise that, you know, if, if you're a season ticket holder and if you get a chance to go to the den, just fucking don't fuck it up. Because if you do something, what risks the club then not being able to have fans there, then that's just going to fuck it up for everyone. If the 2,000 go in and do well, then potentially we might get 4,000. They do well, we might be able to get 8, 10 and get a decent crowd in there because football, without fans, it's just not football in my eyes. I think we've just had um, maybe a first Mickey rant there or (laughs) what do we label that one? I haven't started yet. Trust me, fucking yeah. You want me to go on a rant about COVID? I've I've, I've got another podcast <laughs> on that one, mate. Um, with my experience, I've had it this week, mate. It's fucking know, crap mate. shit, fucking politics, yeah. fucking shit. Local authorities, um, you know, yeah, you, you know, there is a rant there, which will be probably on later this week's show when we're doing it. When we got Rotherham on, probably towards the end, I will do a proper rant. But I just think, I just think we're up against it, and. If all the time in the world we need to support clubs now, well Omar. Okay, that's great. Uh, thanks for coming on today, Carl. We pr- really appreciate your time. Yep, no problem. Always happy to come on board. So by all means, give us a, a bell at any time and we can have a chat. A bit of insight from inside the stadium, as you said, that's our it. eyes are in ears in there, right? But yeah, as always, <laughs> make sure you check out our socials, that Mill Pod on Twitter. Drop us an email, that Mill Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we'll be back later in the week for a Rotherham special, as Mickey alluded to just then, and uh, we'll be covering the game that's coming up on Saturday. Mickey, thanks for joining us as well. Sorry. Take care. said confidential if you receive this in error please delete <laughs> that's so you anyway i heard you bought a boat when we set in sail captain <laughs> when you get a boat you also get new friends make sure progressives one of them and get coverage today for as little as a hundred dollars a year 
Oh, and uh, no, you did not receive this message in error. <laughs> Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.